When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay, as always. The Avalanche sweep their four-game Eastern road trip. They beat the Ottawa Senators 5-4 to four with Jonas Johansson making a game-saving save in the final seconds. And then a couple days later, they go into Detroit and take care of business against the Detroit Red Wings 5-1. to one. And all of a sudden, the Avs are very much still in the conversation for first in the Central. They're right in this race as Soon as today, the Wild again took a two-point lead over them for second, but the Avs have two games in hand. And right now, the Dallas Stars at 89 points, only three points ahead of the Avs. And because of how the Avs have played on this road trip, this is going to come down to the wire. Yeah, this team, is. it feels like every other weekend we come on here and it's like, Avs are making a push for first, or it's, ah, oh, this team's got to settle for the three seed. Like, there's really no in-between. Uh, this is one of the good weeks, for sure. Uh, because like you said, the abs go four for four on this road trip. And the stat you said before, uh, we started recording. That was the first time they've swept a four game road trip since 2007. Is that what you said? I think it was 2011, 2011. So just playing some damn good hockey. And I, I am cautiously optimistic that they're going to catch Dallas cautiously optimistic. I mean, we've been talking about it for a while. They're in striking distance. All it takes right now is Dallas to have a bit of a bad stretch in Minnesota to start losing some games, and the Avs are going to be right there. They have an easy schedule against teams that they should beat. Again, the teams that they should beat. Doesn't mean they're going to win all of those games, but they very much put themselves in the position to have a lot of meaningful games down the stretch. Very, very much so, and it's very funny because – what did we say a couple weeks ago when we saw the schedule coming up that they needed to beat all these bad teams? I mean, so far they're undefeated against them and that's exactly what needed to happen. If they were going to have a chance to track down uh, and chase down the Dallas stars. I think there was 12 of those games coming up and I said, we needed to win 11 of them. You get, you get one, but so far the abs have done a fantastic job against bad teams. I mean, they took care of the Habs eight to four earlier in the week. The, the Habs have been frisky ever since, man. The Habs <laughs> score a lot of goals. I mean, maybe we didn't even score enough on them. The Panthers ended up scoring nine on yeah. them a couple of nights later after they scored seven in the first period, which was strange. But in the tough game against Toronto, they had a great defensive performance to win that two to one. A very frisky game against the Ottawa Senators, which we'll go into detail about. They win that one five to four. And Joe Johansson, while it might not look like it on the stat sheet, had a very good game. And in this game against Detroit, they survived a pretty sloppy first period, 
and just absolutely ran the Red Wings out of the building after that. It wasn't close once the third period started. Like it, it was, it was good. You you've taken care of business, which is exactly what you needed to do. Um, and I'm feeling good, man. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, cautiously optimistic right now because the Avs are playing some damn good hockey. The superstars for the Avs are playing arguably some of the best hockey they played together all year. For a good chunk of the year, it was just Miko Ranton, but now you got Kale McCarr, who's amazingly on a point streak. You have Nathan McKinnon, who is all of a sudden at 30 goals. Like It's it's probably the first time all year where all of the stars are playing well together. Yeah, because it seemed like all year, okay, McCarr's out, then McKinnon's out. The one constant this year has been Ranton, but now you've got McCarr and Byram playing at the same time, which has been almost unheard of. They connect in Detroit for a very nice power play goal as well. But a lot of things for this team are clicking at the moment. And if these were wins like against Detroit, they barely squeak it out. And it's like a 3-2 overtime win. And they're still looking sloppy. I'd probably be a little concerned. But even even in the Ottawa game, Ottawa's just a... I wouldn't even lump Ottawa in with a lot of these other teams. Like They're a good, frisky team. That's how they've been all season. They just don't have enough to put them over the edge. Quite yet. It wasn't the best game that the Abs have played, but it was also a very poorly officiated game on both sides of the oh, yeah. which we will very much talk about. But the Abs, they held the fort well enough to get the job done against the Sens. And I suppose we can start there. Yeah, they they come in second night of a back-to-back against the uh, Ottawa Senators after beating the Maple Leafs. We talked about on the episode on Thursday about how – you wanted to see Georgiev get the start. I thought it was going to be JoJo. Um, you can, it ends you up, convinced me that JoJo I, could start. I, okay, I'll take credit for that. I mean, I'll take credit for that. <laughs> but um, it was JoJo. I think we all of Abs Nation was cautiously optimistic. Um, but here's the thing about Jonas Johansson. Like, the past couple times he's played for the Abs, he's been solid. Like, it's not like he's this god-awful goalie that we saw in Arizona and Florida. Like, when he plays with the Abs, he's not terrible like he can give you some big saves and that's exactly the way he did in this Ottawa game he came up with some timely saves uh and the Avs gave him some goal support yeah I think there's just been some times with Jojo in the past where he's just had some horrible games and not a lot of sample size and plus when we acquired him the quote that will always surround Jojo is this is the worst goalie I have ever watched. I forget exactly who had that quote. The Buffalo. It was a Buffalo guy. Yeah, it was a Buffalo guy. Like this is the worst goalie I have ever watched with my own two eyes, which very much like set the tone for, for Jojo's tenure in Colorado, which has surprisingly been on a lot of other teams as well, like Florida and Arizona. But you look at his game against uh, Ottawa and he posts an 889, which really does not tell the story here. A lot of the goals that went in were not his fault. No, they were perfect deflections, perfect shots, breakdowns by the abs. Um, 889 seems low, but I, I guess when you give up four, that's that's what happens. Yeah, I mean, he made 32 saves, which for JoJo is very impressive. I mean, you look at this is the fourth guy on your depth chart. You gave Eustace Annan a shot over this guy back when Frankie was hurt before, and now he finally gets his chance. You you traded for another goalie as well for insurance. He finally gets his chance, and he makes enough saves for you to win this game. And the Avs, on the second half of a back-to-back, put themselves in a position where they could have a period like they did in the third, where they're just they're out of legs at that point. And Ottawa, being the frisky team that they are, get two back and make it a really tight game. But the Avs, they go up two to nothing, five minutes into this game, 
Kale McCarr, his 16th of the season. Val Nichushkin tips a Kale McCarr shot to make it two to nothing. And that gives you enough breathing room on the second half of a back-to-back. That's what you have to do on the second half of a back-to-back, which is what the abs have done on a lot of these back-to-backs over the last several weeks is they go up early and they're able to not coast, but it gives them enough breathing room. Yeah. And they needed it because like you said, that third period, the abs looked like they were walking in, walking in the mud. They looked gassed. Um, I was joking on Twitter during that game. I was like, the defensive masterclass we saw last night, that, that was not the case in this game. Absolutely not. There were so many defensive breakdowns, so many guys wide open for both teams. Um, it was just a polar opposite of why hockey kicks ass because in the Toronto game, you get a game where it's a defensive stalemate, but it's still really good hockey. And then in this one, it's like chances fucking galore. Yeah, chances, refing, everyone's going after each other in the scrums. I mean, the Avs are just a magnet for all these scrums lately when they start running teams out of building. Must be a Canadian hockey team thing that we <laughs> saw from Montreal and Ottawa. But this was a very strong game from the Avs, like we said. Second half of a back-to-back, a game that goes all the way to the shootout against the Leafs. And you get those two early goals. You give up a late one to, to Drake Batherson on the power play, which... Stinks a little bit, but you get a pretty early goal in the second period from Miko Ranton, and that has you feeling pretty good again. Yeah, feeling pretty good. Um, that goal by Batherson, I did not realize he had 20 goals. That's a good season for him. Like, that's A lot of Senators are having pretty good season. I mean, this is yeah. a team that's gonna probably going to make a pretty serious run at the playoffs next season. Yep. Just earlier in the season, they started pretty okay. They lose Talbot for a while for most of this season, and yep. it really did fall off, and that's ultimately going to cost them a spot. But with a full season of Jacob Chikrin next season under their belt, I mean, the Senators, they've been a frisky team for a while, for a couple of seasons. They're, they've made you a lot of money in gambling oh, yeah. over the last couple of years. I mean, they're a team that it, once they do make the playoffs, I think they're they're going to be pretty dangerous. Yeah, I completely agree. And I like that Mad Sogard guy just because he's massive. Like six, seven goalie. Like that's just kicks ass, man. Like, I, think his, is, I think his name's just awesome. Mad Sogard. Like that yeah. is such an awesome goalie. That's name. a badass name. And he's six, seven. Cause what? Ben Bishop was what? Six, six. Yeah. Yeah. Like that just kicks ass, man. Like that, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I agree. The senders next year, watch out. But also at the same time, I could totally see them just repeating this season. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they, if they don't make it next year, then some questions are going to have yeah. to be raised about some of these guys. I mean, they've got the the Kachuk. They've got Tim Stutzla. Dabrinkit's been a little disappointing for them. I'm surprised he hasn't really popped off with them, but they also have a lot of prospects like Pinto, like Ridley Gregg, and like I said, with Stutzla. They've they got Josh Norris coming back next yeah, year, Josh, too. Josh, I've totally forgot about Josh Norris. Yeah. Brandstrom, Shabbat's growing into a pretty good player. They have Jake Sanderson, who had two assists in this game as well. I mean, the Senators, this was not like, okay – easy game second half of the back-to-back i mean you play toronto and you're going on the road to ottawa this was a tough game and the abs really had to fight for this yeah they did and um i loved nachushkin scoring i loved miko getting his 45th um and then shane pinto like we just talked about he scores to make it three two and then a guy evan rodriguez finally gets off the schneid he hadn't been playing the best hockey but eventually when you're playing with mckinnon and rantanen the chances are going to come and you need to finish him you absolutely need to finish him. And he finally finishes one, gets his 14th of the year. Um, we need Erod to get back to the player he was a month and a half ago if this team's going to go far in the playoffs. 
it's the conversation we had against Toronto where he had a bad game is like, especially when there's no Landeskog and especially when Lekkonen goes out, you need an Evan Rodriguez to really step up his game. And over the last four games, he has three points and he picks up a nice goal against Ottawa. And like you said, when you're playing with Nathan McKinnon, you got to make the most of your opportunities. And hopefully this can, can kickstart him into putting up a little more production. I think he plays really well with Nathan McKinnon. That is a really good line mate for him. He's a smart player, but I think he needs that setup guy to really, really make him work. And he he gets out of McKinnon's way too. He knows how to play with McKinnon that like he knows he's not Miko Rantanen and can easily keep up with Nate and knows when to back off and let McKinnon yeah. handle it. I agree. And he could be that good complimentary piece that you need. He's you just know he's going to score a big playoff goal this year. You just know yeah. it. Like he may be like quiet for like three games and then like overtime he'll score a game winner. Um, but this is big. We need him to get going. And I think this was Bednar's hope by putting him up on that top line. Um, and so far we're paying the dividends of it in just this short three game sample size. Yeah, I mean. It's pretty similar to his season last year in Pittsburgh where he goes crazy for a little while earlier in the season. He finished with 19 goals after having like 15 by January. He cooled off towards the end. But in the playoffs, even though they lost that series to the Rangers, he had three goals and five points in that series. Like he, He's definitely a guy that can come through for you in the playoffs. It's All that matters is that he has his confidence and he's playing with the right guys. Right. But of course, when the playoffs come around and you hopefully have Lekkonen back and Landeskog back in your lineup, you're probably talking about him playing maybe even with like Lars Eller at that point or Alex Newhook at that point. So he's going to be a guy that you need to take advantage of maybe some of those third, fourth line matchups and get you some important timely goals. Yeah, I I think just based off what we've seen so far, I think he'd go, get bumped to the fourth line with a, whether it's Newhook, Helm, Mulgan, like he'll just be. I, I, I think mix. I think in his role, it's almost wrong to refer to as third, fourth line. I think it just makes more sense for him to play with Newhook wherever that may yeah. be. Agreed, I agree, um, because it's going to be interesting because it it sounds like Darren Helm's close to returning. He could by the time you're listening to this, it could be announced that he's playing tonight against Chicago. Um, it's going to be interesting what the abs do with their forwards because they are going to have a plethora of them again. And they aren't the quality that we had last year, but you still have some very good depth compared to where you were um, two months ago. Yeah. Where you didn't have a fourth line where you didn't even have a center to play at your fourth line as recently as like the trade deadline. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm hesitant on helm just because he's played what three games this year. Like, and he's, he's, 30 something years old like it's 36 yeah it's concerning like you just don't know so it's good that some of these guys are getting some more uh ice time because if darren helm's right we saw how big of a contributor he was in the playoffs last year it's just is he going to be right yeah well that's also the thing is like i think darren helm took a lot out of himself in the playoffs that year oh, yeah. where he he led the league in hits in the playoffs and at was he 36 at that point i, think. I have no idea yeah I mean, he at that point was 36, 35 at that point where he'd just been kind. He was good in the regular season. He was a depth piece. The guy yeah. that we were questioning, is he going to play in the playoffs? I mean, probably half the games or so. Turns out to be one of your more important depth pieces. And I'd be interested to see if Darren Helm comes back again after this season. But I, I, I doubt really, it. I really think that playoff run 
took a lot out of him. I'd love to see him come back and be that same player again, but he gave everything he had for that cup. And he got it. So I'm hopeful. I I, I want him back because he is a very, he's, he's just a good fourth line center. That's what he is. He's a solid fourth line center and you need that in the playoffs. You need that. He's dependable. You know what Darren Helm is going to be night in and night out. Is he the best regular season player you can have? Yeah, he's a guy, but in the playoffs, he knows when to come through. He knows his role, and he was a very important part of that fourth line. And he's going to get the opportunity to start and earn his spot on the roster. But if he's not up to speed and they feel like a guy like Malgan or O'Connor or Nieto is going to be more useful to that depth than Helm, then they're going to play them over him. But Helm right now has the benefit of the doubt that he's only played five games and our last few memories of him are pretty positive. I'd say so. I'd say so. Yeah. Pretty, pretty solid, pretty solid player. Um, but we'll have to see. It's a guy who we acquired at the trade deadline. Um, who's much maligned. Um, he's taken some shit on this show scored probably the most controversial regular season goal we've had this year in this Ottawa game. Um, it is Lars Eller. He gets his first with the abs in the most Lars Eller fashion ever. Like you've watched Lars Eller for what the past six years now. Yeah. But is this not the most Lars Eller goal of all time? Yes. And I mean that in the best way possible because it showcases what makes him an NHL player. Even as he starts to get up there in age and his speed starts to dwindle and some, a lot of his skills go away is that, In all of my years of watching hockey, there are very few players that are more aware of where the puck is and what the play is going on around him more than Lars Eller. He is very smart, and we'll talk about it more in the Detroit game as well. That man always knows where the puck is. It's just sometimes it's a matter of getting it and getting to the puck. (laughs) Like I said, when that puck dies on the boards, Lars Eller is very good at digging that puck out. And what happened on this play? is the Avs send it down. The Senators think it's an icing. What Lars Eller hears is that they wave it off. And apparently, I guess no one else heard that. And Sogard does not cover it. Logan O'Connor does not go for it. Who was the other Senator? Was it uh, was it uh, Sanderson, I believe? Was I think it was. There as well. And the puck's just kind of sitting there. Eller says, there's no whistle. And he just puts that puck in the net. And the goal stands. It's a very heads-up play. And... What is the first thing you learn in sports when you you are five years old, whether it's soccer, football, hockey, lacrosse, basketball, you play until the whistle. You don't play oh. until you think there's a whistle, but Dude, you got to play. So many coaches are going to just put that goal on like their video boards and be like, see kids, what happens when you don't, when you play to the whistle, this is what we mean. Like that, yeah. that's what's going to be. In that exact the, the same mantra. tone of voice. As yeah. Well. Like that's there's kids who are gonna see that goal for the next fifteen years, being like this ended up being the game winning goal, and see what which happens is, when you play to the whistle. Very kids. funny that that like, ended up being the game winning goal. Yeah. Now, should there have been a whistle? Probably that yes. probably should have yes. been an icing. But the reason it was a goal is Lars Eller heard that they waved it off, and no one else touched the puck. The play was still live, and. That's up to Sogard. That's up to Sanderson to get that puck out of there or cover up that play and play until the whistle. You can blame the ref all you want, but I definitely would have a different tune about this if the roles were reversed. But you do have to play until the whistle. You can't just assume that there's going to be one. And Lars Eller, smart player that he is, 
realizes the play isn't over and just puts the puck in. Yeah, it was. Uh, we're both in agreement. The whistle should have been blown. Like, yeah, I'm not going to argue with since I completely agree with you that, yes, the whistle should have been blown. If not for the icing, I thought Sogard had the puck like remotely covered. We've seen the puck get covered with less and the whistle be blown. Um, but credit to Lars Eller for scoring that goal. And then we get an all time like uh, a challenge by DJ Smith of just I'm pissed off. So I'm what can I challenge? Yeah, I'm going to challenge that. Like yeah, for that's goal, what he for was trying to interference, which I think you put it perfectly is I'm mad and I just want you to look at what you have done here. Th- there was no shot they were ever going to win that challenge. And I think it was also petty. It was like, you're going to have to announce this as a goal and you're going to have to hear it from the crowd. Who's going to yeah. boo you unto oblivion. And like we said, Lars Eller's first goal is an Av and it holds up as the game winning goal. Cause the senators have a very good third period. Travis Hamanick makes it five to three. And some of the officiating here was questionable in favor of the senators this time, which doesn't quite even out the goal, but it does make it closer. The Senators had five power plays in this game to the Avs three. They cashed in on two of them. Brady Kachuk makes it a one-goal game with under seven minutes to play. It starts to get pretty interesting from here. And the Senators, I mean, Brady Kachuk, I don't know what it is about him. I think it's just his face. Every time he gets into some shenanigans, I'm just like, you look ridiculous. Because he looks like a kid, doesn't he? Oh yeah, well it's it's his last name. Yeah, Kachuk. Yeah, like that. That's why too. But his face is very. Um, it just it punchable. throws it throws me off every single time because he's always him and Matthew are always supposed to be like the tough guys, and I'm just like, I I find it so hard to get upset at you because you you just look kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's fair. It's a fair point. Um, because yeah, I mean he's he's a damn good hockey player. Um, but. The stuff he does, like we we kind of scoot over the fact where he like put like Bo Byram in like a fucking like yeah, like a rear naked chokehold with yeah. his legs. Like it was like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> like, yeah, like that, that that's the kind of play. Is like you know you have knives strapped to your feet, right? Like, you're putting that towards somebody's like bare face. Like that's not necessary. Now it's not to say Bo Byram got out of this game squeaky clean. Oh yeah, he definitely had a bit of a hit on Claude Giroux that kind of threw him down to the ice a little hard and then cross checks Claude Giroux after taking a hit from him Giroux goes to the box for embellishment as well Kachuk and Nachushkin get into it this one just looked weird whereas like Val's going to the bench Kachuk runs into him and Kachuk got really upset about it and McKinnon punched him in the face from the bench yeah Nachushkin's a sneaky like he always like he's quiet, but he always seems to be involved in those skirmishes. Yeah, he's like he's not going to back away from any. No, and would you blame him? He's what six four two fifty. The dude's a fucking tank. Yeah, like he's I, massive. I, yeah, so he's sneaky though. He's sneaky. Gets in a lot of these type of things. Like was it game four against Edmonton where I think Hyman scored the second goal and the Chushkin just went up into all the Oilers celebrating faces and started to scuffle. Like he's quietly sneaky when it comes to that but he picks his um, moments yeah he has his moments uh but like you said mckinnon gets goes to the box so does kachuk there's what a minute and a half left in the game when that happens there's a minute Uh, 24 left in this game and you probably just took the senator's best player off the ice yeah took him off the ice and then the 
minute goes by pretty quickly. And then with what, like 50 seconds left, Devon Taves gets called for like, I, I see why the ref called it. Cause in real time, it did look like a trip, but then you watch the replay and like Taves like barely touched him. You give the Senators player credit for selling that because that yeah. was Tim Stutzla's never beating the diving allegations. No. I mean, that that man is involved in a lot of questionable calls. Yeah, he he dove, he dove, and um, so the Habs have to kill a five on three for thirty five seconds. Yeah, ba- and, basically the last fifty seconds of the game. Yeah, and it seemed I don't know how you felt, but I was like, this just seems inevitable that the Senators are going to tie this game and win it in overtime. The only thing I had going is that the Avs are going to be pissed off about this call, and it's less than a minute. The Senators have to set up something very quick. If you can break it up one time. You're probably in a good spot. And they do that, but it comes down to the final play of the game. Johansson makes a very nice save on the first one, but it slides him out of his net a little bit. The puck goes right to a senator, and they have a wide-open cage. He throws his leg back and makes the save of his life and saves this game from going to overtime. It was one of the best saves of the year, not just for the abs, but in the NHL this year, especially like you when, watch, you watch that replay. Yeah, and you're especially like, when you consider the context of like yeah. what's going on. Like, this isn't like the second period. This is the closing seconds of a one goal game. And he's making that save. But it was an absurd save. Um, and I always laugh because I forget how freakishly athletic these guys are. Can you imagine if we tried to do that with our leg? We'd have a torn groin and not be able to work for 10 weeks. I I mean, the conversation around JoJo, especially in his first season when I was doing this alone, one thing I would always say when we were criticizing JoJo is like, he is still better at goaltending than I will ever be at anything in my entire life. And that just shows how freakishly athletic a lot of these guys are that he's like, a fringe AHL guy and he's still that good at goaltending even when he has his moments like this all these guys have the capacity to do this and you you just needed one big save from Jojo in this game you scored five goals you had an early lead he gave up four I wouldn't really say any of them were his faults I mean breakdowns breakaways that kind of nonsense there was not one where it's like oh he just got beat like just clean from a point shot. Like he played a good game. You needed him to make one big save. And by God, did he ever make it? And the abs get out of Ottawa with two big points. I mean, this was a dangerous game. Like we talked about where you beat the Leafs in a pretty tough defensive game. And you're going into Ottawa the next night, a sneaky, good team on the road, a frisky team. This could have gotten away from them. This game could have gotten tied when they're up five, two, and they could have ended up losing a point here. But the Avs, they answered the bell and got the job done. Answered the bell, got the job done. Jonas Johansson, like, he probably just bought himself another year in the Avs organization with that save. Well, at, very, <laughs> at very least, he bought himself another game. Yeah, very least, he bought himself another game. Like, would you be shocked if we play him against Chicago on Monday? I would, today, by the time little, I would a little bit. I don't think they're that desperate to start throwing him in there. But at very least, against the Ducks, he's going to get a game. Yeah, that game's going to be weird. I just already know it, but he, he's going to get another game. Um, and I, like I said, I think he bought another year in the Avs organization with that save personally. So yeah, I mean, he, he's done a good enough job in the AHL. I mean, they clearly like having him around. I don't yep. think they're 
they, they've gone out of their way to bring him back. If they didn't believe that he was helpful to the organization, they've had every excuse to not keep bringing him back after he's been claimed off of waivers twice. They like this guy and they're going to keep him around. They like him as a third, fourth goalie that in a pinch, you throw him in an NHL game and in the AHL, he does a good job at helping out Ananen. Right. Completely agree. So it's just, it is funny that his career path over the past like two and a half years and just all the teams he's played for. And for some reason, the abs are the only team he's good with. So I wonder why. Yeah. Helps having, uh, helps having Kale McCarr and Devon Taves in front of you, I'd say. Yeah. Cause so. when you go, when you go to the Panthers last year and you're a seven sixty six in two games, I don't think they're in any hurry to bring you back after that. And the one game he played with the Charlotte checkers, he was an eight eighty nine, And then, Two games he's been in with the Avs this year. He's a 907. And in 25 games with the Eagles, he's a 918. He does well in this organization. There's yeah. some sort of secret sauce with him. They've just got it figured out with him. So shout out Jonas Johansson. You won that game for us. You're a legend forever. Um, and like you said, the Ottawa's been like a sneaky place where the Avs have struggled the past couple of years. So to get a win yeah. in Ottawa is always big. Um, there's been some high scoring games we've had yep. against the senators in recent memory. And a lot of them that we've lost Especially you go to the game last year against the senators, I believe on and in Bladen. And I, am I thinking about that was like that six, five overtime game. This was one of the few games I couldn't watch. Yeah, no, I remember watching it. It was uh, a call win against the abs. Uh, they had a goal overturned that shouldn't have been overturned. I believe Tyson Jones yeah. had the goal overturned. Um, and the abs ended up losing that game. I know flashback. Um, yeah. I think he scratched with the Sabres today. Uh-huh, I mean, well, that's why they lost 7-0. Yep. So, see? <laughs> see what happened Correl- to scratch Joe. Correlation jokes. equals causation. Yeah. So, well, not because they played um, or anything. Yeah. For, it's Tyson uh, uh, Yeah. Ottawa is a place of horrors for the Avs, and to get that win's huge. Um, I, I think I said on the show that I thought they were going to lose in overtime, so I'm 0-2 on predictions so far with this road trip. Uh, I did predict we'd beat the Red Wings, um, so we're good there. But uh, all in all, just a great Canada swing for the Avs on this road trip. I honestly forgot that we had to still go to Detroit after that game. I, I did. I did too. I mean, I got the notification. It's like, hey, game's starting against Detroit. I'm like, now? Today? Yeah. We're doing this right now? Yeah. Like, that, that's how I felt too. It was an early morning start, um, at least for me, 11 a.m. And you had to sit through the NHL network broadcast again. With the way I wake up, that's basically morning for me. <laughs> sure. At 1 p.m. Yeah, I I did have to watch an NHL Network broadcast today uh, for that Caps game, so I was on the other end of it. It's not that they're bad. It's just one was way better than the Blues one a couple of years ago. Not even close. Jamie Hirsch did a very good job with the commentary in this game. I forget who had the Avs-Blues game a while ago, but they just like went quiet for like three minutes at a time, which was very off-putting. Was th- not nearly as bad this time. I think what puts them at a disadvantage is that they aren't in the arena. Like you yeah. don't get like you can tell that they're watching the game on TV with you. Yeah, I think that's what gives them the disadvantage in those type of things. Uh, because even when the Avs were doing that, when like COVID was going on, you could tell the difference in the broadcast because you yeah. can't feel the energy of the crowd. And there there are still times I think both the Avs and a lot of teams do that for away broadcasts and everything, especially when it's just an incredibly unreasonable trip to make. And I I thought the NHL broadcast was fine. I hate not being able to watch games on on altitude, but I think this is the last NHL network game I'll be forced to watch 
this season. But for the game itself, the first period did not go that well no. in Detroit, but they did get on the board first. Devon Taze with only his fifth goal of the season. I feel like Taze scores every now and again. I feel like he should have way more than five. I guess I'm just not remembering. I think we were right. just spoiled last year because he had, what, 13 last year? He had a damn good season last yeah. year. Yeah, he scored a lot of goals. He's still putting up similar points to what he was doing last year. Yeah. Um, Actually, I did not realize he he only played 66 games last year. He's yeah, just in 66th game. He has 20 less points. Yeah, he hasn't been the same point producer this year. I mean, it's been an off year for Devon Taves, but even when an off year for Devon Taves is still a damn good hockey yeah, player. His, his shooting percentage has also dropped by 5%. Yeah, he was score. How many goals did he end up having last year? 13? He had 13 goals last year, 44 assists, 57 points in 66 games. Didn't even play a full season. An 8.2 shooting percentage on 158 shots. This year, he's got five goals, 32 assists for 37 points so far in 66 games. I mean, his plus minus last year was also 52. This year, yeah. he's at a, a parsley 28, you know. So Damn it, Devon. So Damn bad. it. He's a, he only has two power play points compared to 12 last year, and he's got a 3.7 shooting percentage on 136 shots. You could call it a down year for Devontae's, but on most teams, that is still a very solid performance. And it's not like Devontae's has been bad this no. season. It's just not the standard we've come to expect where Devontae's... Offensively-wise. Offensively-wise. Defensively, he's been rock solid. There's been a couple of mistakes for Devontae's that would have been shocking last season to see it, those turnovers and some reads. But for the most part, he has been very solid defensively. He's There's a reason he's still playing 25 minutes a night. Yeah, he's a minute eater. And it, it's always good when he scores. Like it, You need to reward that guy every once in a while, it seems like. Um, and I'm not going to say it was a good goal. Like Huso no. just completely misplayed he, that puck. Like He missed. Yeah, I don't know what he was thinking there. I just don't. Yeah, I think he thought Taze was going to pass it and not just rocket that one. Huso's going the complete wrong way. Good traffic in front by the Avs. Yep. And Taze just lasers that one through to make it one to nothing. But the Red Wings, they they were out shooting the Avs at this point in the game, I believe, 7-2. to two. This was only the Avs' second shot of the game. And the Red Wings definitely beat up on them for the rest of this period. Pia Suter. Gets his 12th goal of the season to make it one to one. Not a great play by Bo Byram and Sam Girard on this one. I mean, that pair together, it's worth a shot every now and again, but we've seen that these two just don't gel together. I don't think their play styles complement each other very well. Not a huge problem. But on the first one, Bo just, he kind of lost control of the puck. And Girard, I didn't mind his coverage on this play. I mean, maybe you want to see him block that shot. But it gets through. Georgiev gives up an early one. It's 1-1. But Georgiev kept the abs in this game in the first period. The Red Wings finished the first period out shooting them 16-6. to This could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse. Uh, Georgiev just – I was looking at it. The He's like, what, third in the league now and wins as the goalie? Third or fourth? Um, he just continues to be rock solid. And – he saved the abs bacon in this first period because the abs were kind of sleepwalking through it. Like it could have easily been what, like three, one Detroit after the first yeah. period easily. There was, there was some posts hit by the red wings and some great saves by Georgiev that kept the minute. And this road trip for Georgiev outside of Montreal, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. What, and even, two goals in his past two games given yeah. up. And they were early goals in the first period. And after that, he completely shut the door the rest of the way. Like, yeah, he didn't have a great game against the Habs. 
didn't matter. He has scored eight <laughs> goals. As long yeah, as he doesn't give if he would have had a good game in that game. <laughs> yeah, it would have been embarrassing. As long as you don't give up nine in that game, that's really all that matters. And the Avs took Do care of Do you think he's even one. close to Vesna contention? I just think at this point in the season, they'll be like, oh, well, he plays on the Avs. So that's why he's so good. I think he should be considered. Should he be top three? I think there's some very stiff competition for that. I mean, it's but obviously going to be Olmark. Couldn't you say the same thing about Boston, though? Like, that team's loaded. Well, Chris, Christian, you're starting to make too much sense. That yeah, doesn't no. matter in awards talk. It only yeah. matters when it's a team like the Avs. When it's Boston, you know, they're going to put Pasternak on the Hart ballot and put Olmark on the, the Vesna ballot, and they're going to have Montgomery win coach of the year, and no one's going to be seeing the correlation between these things. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it just seems like what Georgiev has done this year with his body of work for his majority of his career, like this is an abs- insane jump for him. So I, I want to give Georgiev as far as I doubt he will be. I agree with you in the fact that it's going to be Allmark who wins it. I mean, uh, to be fair, Olmark has a 9.35 and has won 34 games and has a goal, which is more than any other goal he can say in the NHL this season. And Sorokin has a 9.25, largely the only reason why the Islanders are in the playoffs right now. I think it's third where you can make the argument for Georgia because he's at a 9.18. A guy like Jake Ottinger's a 9.18, Hellebuck's a 9.18, and Vasilevsky, 9.14, Shesterkin is a 9.12. You can make the case. I think he can crack the top five. I just don't think he makes the finalists. I agree. It's just I, given where is what this team's been for a majority of the year. Like without Georgiev, I have no idea where this team would be. Um, wild, wild card at best. Yeah, like without him, who knows where they'd be? So I don't know. I, I just want to give Georgiev his flowers. He's probably outside of Miko Rantanen been the most valuable player for the Avs. Yeah, I will say this: my goal for him on the Vesna ballot is he finishes ahead of Shesterkin. That'd be hilarious. That would be good. Shesterkin isn't having a great year, so it's very possible. He's having a fine year, which for Shesterkin after last year, you can almost call bad, which kind of almost makes me believe in the Rangers more, especially since he has a 9-12 and they're still winning games when last year was the only reason they were winning games. But he's been fine. 9-12 is definitely not the Shesterkin we've come to suspect. I think Georgiev can make a case. He's had some games where he hasn't been great. And I think people really just overlook him because he was Shesterkin's backup last year. Comes to the abs, and all of a sudden he plays behind Kale McCarr, and all of a sudden he's good. He plays behind the abs defense, but we're not going to give them any Norris consideration. Yeah, somehow. Makes no sense. But I just wanted to, I wanted to ask you that because it's we're coming up on that time of year, and I was just thinking in my head, I was like, he's going to be finished top five in a lot of categories. And, for he, and he's been top of these categories all season this is not some late season push he's been good basically from the first game against chicago he's been outstanding he has been well beyond my expectations this season i thought he'd be good he's been rock solid he's been almost almost too good yeah almost (laughs) i don't even want to say too good i mean it kind of just been a seamless transition from kemper to georgiev if not maybe even a little more consistent uh, I'd say he's more consistent than Kemper. Yeah. I Kemper, think when Kemper when Kemper's on, yeah, when Kemper's on, he he's one of the best goalies in the world. But when he's off, he is he's off. Like yeah. he's off when he has one eye off. You know, yeah, true. maybe his maybe his save percentage is going to dip a little bit. But even in the regular season, I felt like the highs with Kemper were so unbelievable, and he'd have his dips. They're like that cost us the game. 
in yeah. that one. And it's not to say Georgiev has been perfect, but I feel like he's been a lot more even keel the entire way, where he has a game where he has a shutout and performs really well. And there's a game where he's a, a 9-15. Like, the games where he's sub-8-15 are not that common. And even then, they're not costing them big time. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Are you ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Go to the app, opt-in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. We've already seen plenty of upsets happen so far in March Madness as we reach the Sweet 16. All the more reason to get in on the action at DraftKings Sportsbook. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly win or lose only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details now back to the episode he's been solid save the abs bacon in that first period against the Red Wings uh and then you go into the second period and, and the abs woke up I, I think they got the message in that second period yeah the they held the fort in the first period well enough for the talent differential between these two teams to completely take over the game where Nathan McKinnon just blows by everybody on the Red Wings for his 30th goal this season. McCarr picks up his second assist of the game. A nice setup by Dennis Mulgan as yeah, well. Yeah, that play by Mulgan, I, I think, goes unnoticed. I know it's easy when Nathan McKinnon's coming at full speed just to leave the puck for him, but it still takes some skill to perfectly place it there. Yeah, I mean, you got you still got to get it to him. There's still right. other NHL players on the ice. McKinnon can't do anything until he has the puck. And that was a great play by Mulgan to get it to him. And you, you could see the Red Wings body language the second he had that puck. They're like, oh, shit. That's this is not going to work well, and he carves through everyone, puts it through Huso, and this holds up as the game-winning goal. The Avs go up two to one, and they really just took care of business the rest of the way here. This game was getting a little chippy, especially between Miko Rantanen and Jake Wallman for some reason. I guess Wallman's jealous that he wasn't the best ninety-six on the <laughs> ice, but they start going at each other. The Avs eventually get a four-on-three in the second period, and Bo Byram set up by Kale McCarr. Where interesting in a four on three, they have two defensemen on the ice, and Makar sets up Byram for a beautiful one timer, puts it through Huso. The Abs are up three to one late in the second period. You're you're feeling pretty good in a game that definitely could have been a lot closer than it was. Yeah, it could have been a lot closer, but that four on three was such a wild play because I think it was Cider McKinnon breaks Cider stick, so it's four on two and a half. Like that is just if you're a Red Wings fan, that is. Like, that's worst case scenario for any hockey fan. Like when you see a stick break on the power play and you're on the penalty yeah. kill, it's it's just when's the goal going to happen? Like that's what also Cider who got almost tackled by Miko Ranston on that <laughs> yeah. play. That was a weird play because it didn't look like Ranton did a lot to him. I don't think Ranton was because Ranton was in the box. That's why it was four on four. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. That that whole thing was Walmart. Oh yeah, yeah. I see. We're, go, we're going at each other. That's right. what started the whole thing and got it to a four on four. 
I didn't think Rantanen did a lot to him, but it was enough to knock him off his feet for a holding. Wallman didn't like it. And for in the four-on-four, Hag trips Newhook, which gives the Avs the eventual four-on-three. Then Makar sets up Byram to make it three-to-one. This is an interesting question. I want to get your thoughts on this. Do you think Bo Byram has a better one-timer than Kale McCarr? Uh, no, because I f- Bo Byram never hits the net, it seems. That's fair enough, I guess. Like, that's the only thing holding Bo back is he can't hit the fucking net. Like, once that dude figures out how to aim his shot, he's going to be unstoppable. Because if you remember in the playoffs last year, how many chances did this dude just miss the net on? There was a big point of conversation in yeah. the playoffs, especially against Edmonton, where I he could have had three goals in that right. if he could just hit the net. It was to the point where it was like, he's so overdue. If I was able to bet on him scoring the series winning goal in that overtime, I definitely would have said yeah. that it was going to be him to score it. But he's starting to figure out his scoring touch. I mean, he's up to seven goals on the season now, which is pretty crazy considering he's only played 30 games this season. Can you believe he's at 30 games? It does not feel like that. No, it doesn't. But that's the only thing that I like. Because didn't he miss? He didn't miss. He hit the crossbar in that overtime in Tampa Bay before yeah, Cadre oh, scored. That one hurt me a lot. Yeah. Because I was like, this, I, that split second, like, this is it. This is his moment. And he hits yeah. the post. Like I've, I had my head in my hands after that. Yeah. Like, Poor freaking kids. Never like that's the only play. thing. Like, do I think he has a harder shot than Kale? Probably, but Kale's just more accurate. And maybe it's just because I'm such a Kale McCarr fan. Like that, anytime he misses the net, he's like, oh, he was trying to get the bounce off the boards right to Nachushkin's stick. Like I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, that well for me the opposite. As I'm obviously a Kale McCarr fan, but also yeah. a massive Bo Byram fan. It's like, oh, well, he's gonna learn. Yeah, once, he's going to. once he figures out that one timer, like you said, that's going to be tough to stop. And right. maybe you have to ask the question: Do the Avs have two defensemen on their power play eventually? If Byram does get it together, well, I mean, they're already doing three on their second unit, so <laughs> might as well. But I I laughed at this because I don't know if you watched the goal afterwards. McKinnon's reaction to it: If Bo would have missed that shot, I think McKinnon would have shoot him up because McKinnon was wide open on the like opposite hash and he would have had an easy one-timer goal. So go back and watch that replay and watch McKinnon's reaction. He's like, thank God you made that. Cause you probably would have gotten your ass chewed up. By yeah. He, he's, he's got like the smile on his face, but in the eyes is like, you better thank your fucking lucky stars that yeah. that otherwise you would not like this intermission at all. Yeah. Cause McKinnon was wide open. What like, as open as Nathan McKinnon's ever going to be. That's how open he was on this play. Yeah. Um, but the Avs take a 3-1 lead. And then that man, Lars Eller, again in the third period, a shorthanded goal. Um, it was another goal where he's like, how did that go in? Because he steps on the puck going into the zone. He slips on the puck. Looks like he probably hurts his groin. And then all of a sudden he gets the puck to Nachushkin. And Val gets a save made on him because that's all Val's luck been lately. And Puck goes right to Lars Eller, makes one move, snipes it, top yeah. shelf. And well, that's that's another thing is that Lars Eller knew where that Puck was on the play and the three Red Wings on him did not. And that's where Lars Eller comes into play and that's where he's the most valuable. He knows where the Puck is. Most other guys don't. And on his back, he knows that Puck is in his legs. He gets it to Val gets up the red wings are like how did you do that where even was that who is that over there even they didn't even know val was there perfect shot right for the rebound eller with a wide open goal shorthanded to to put this game away 
and make it four to one at this point for the abs. He's up to nine on the season. He's on a two game goal streak. All of a sudden, don't let Lars Eller get hot. I believe it was like 30 plus games for him without scoring, but goes to show you get one and all of a sudden you'll get another one to go. We saw and, what happened with Dennis Mulligan. Yep. And you know what? For Lars, I mean, I, I was not the biggest fan of this trade. I will go on record and say that when it happened. Now that I see how Lars Eller fits in with this team and how different his game is than it was in Washington, this is going to work out just fine. He is, this is way better than any hockey he has ever played with the Caps this season. Really? Even even during oh, the cup run? No, no, this season. Oh, this, this season. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. This okay. season. 2018 Lars Eller was a monster. Yeah. That guy is never going to be matched by at any point in his career again for this season this almost looks like a completely different guy and he's he's gonna find a way in the playoffs to get one of those dirty greasy playoff goals that he just digs out of like mark andre Fleury's pads like he did in, in the stanley cup final for the game winning goal and gets an easy goal but one you really have to work for because look at those two goals those are heads up plays where you know where the puck is and you're just you're digging it out he basically has a shovel on the ice just digging that puck out getting it to his own guys and staying with the play he never ever gives up on a play and that's going to translate very well in the playoffs yeah and he i'm starting to see it more and more every time there's a puck battle on the boards he always seems to win it yeah always it's that it's the thing when the puck is moving he has trouble when that puck dies on the boards and there's five people battling for that puck he will get it every time yeah every single time another thing i want to bring up on this goal is the reaction of everybody else. You see how Val reacted to that goal? They were so happy to see him score. That was one of the, the positive things I said about the Eller trade at the time. They're going to love him because Lars Eller is a phenomenal human being. One of the nicest people you will ever meet. And I is think he Swedish or Finnish? He, he's from Denmark. Oh, I'm not even close. Yeah. I mean, he's he, he's in that general Nova Scotia area. Like I said, yeah, Nova Scotia-ish area. North. Yeah ish he's in the northern hemisphere yeah. he's close um, he's close to santa in the north pole yeah all those people are nice up there I, I, yeah. have you ever I, i've never met a mean swedish person never met a mean finnish person in denmark i've never met any finnish person that is any less than the nicest person i have yeah. ever i will definitely say that haven't met a lot of denmark people but from i don't think I, I have either if we're going to be from, honest i haven't but i'm just yeah. going to lump them in with them as just they're generally nice people yeah I don't think they'll like that, but for Den <laughs> for Denmark at least, I think Lars Eller has played the most games of any person from Denmark. That's I'm pretty cool. Pretty, I'm pretty sure about that. I don't have that in front of me. Do not quote me. But he's gonna be that guy in the playoffs where he's not gonna score a lot. But if the Avs do go on another run, he might have two to three goals and they might be some of the biggest goals of that run. He could replicate what Darren Helm did last year. Yeah. And it's just they're they're gonna be disgusting goals in the, in <laughs> just, the worst in the worst way possible. Yeah. I, I like how I described it a couple of weeks ago. Just the bottom of the frying pan goals, just like those nasty little crumbs you bring up at the bottom. Nothing but grease. He just reminds me of that kid. You remember that kid in gym class who just tried at everything, like and yeah. just always won. That that's what Lars Eller reminds me of. Yeah, he's just he's gonna dig a puck out from under the pads, some from somewhere in the playoffs in overtime or late in the third period and get them just a big goal. And that'll be the last goal he ever scores here, but he'll be remembered very fondly. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, he, he continues his hot goal streak two in two games. I'm going to bet on him to score against Chicago just because he seems to be hot right now. Um, and we'll see what the, happens. The second there. you start betting on it, he's going to stop. Oh yeah. hundred percent. But 
we'll have to wait and see. Um, and then to end the game, Miko Rantanen gets his 46th of the year. Um, it's not a question of if Miko Rantanen gets to 50 at this point. It's how far above 50 is he going to go? Yeah, I, th- I think we're well beyond this conversation. Barring a catastrophe, he's yeah. he's going to hit 50, especially against the, the competition that the Avs are going to be playing over the next couple of weeks. He's going to hit 50. And not to get lost here, this passing play from McKinnon oh. and Rodriguez is just just gross. Like it was picture like, perfect. You know those guys have like families, right? Like <laughs> yeah. you don't you don't have to do that to them. It, that play makes it you go, why can't they do that every time? Yeah. Like you look at them like it was so easy. It's like, is, is this what it's supposed to be like every time? Like it could be this easy if we just did that, but also it's pretty shitty defense by the by the Red Wings. Yeah. I feel like that's been a theme with a lot of these super nice goals the Habs yeah. have scored over the last couple of games. Like, wow, the Habs are not very good at this. Wow, the Red Wings are not playing very good defense right, right. now. But it's great on the Habs to take advantage of what the other teams are giving them. Rantanen hits 46. It's five to one less than a minute after the Habs make it four to one on the other goal this game was over. I don't like, did the Red Wings even have a particularly dangerous chance after no. this? I mean, no. there, the, Cagliano takes a shot and we don't really have an answer, but it's Cagliano. He's not going to miss a game. I love the new nickname Mosier's gave him. Have you heard it? The machine? I couldn't. I was on a different broadcast. Yeah, but. no, that, that's Cagliano's new nickname is the machine. I'm like, that is perfect. Like, <laughs> that is perfect. The guy simply does not miss games. Like he broke his finger in the playoffs and barely missed a beat. The guy he just, didn't miss a game, right? Yeah, he didn't miss a game. I don't because he, he broke did. in game four against yeah. Edmonton and then he was back for game one of the cup final. Yeah. The, the the guy simply does not miss games. Pain is not a factor for him like it is for, for other people, you right. know. Like I, I go out running and my knee hurts afterwards. Like I might need to give this a few days rest. Cogliano is just taking 80 mile an hour slap shots off of his legs, breaking his fingers in the playoffs. He's I'm fine. I can. Talk Would you that. not be shocked if at the end of the year we hear he had like a torn meniscus the entire time after that oh, hit yeah. by Ian Cole? Like, yeah. That that would not surprise me in the least. And he came. He came back in the game. Yeah. In that game against Tampa, he didn't miss the rest of the game. Is fine to go for the next. He was back out there like a shift later. Yeah. He looked at it in the locker room. Was like, oh, my leg's still on. Therefore, <laughs> I can put on my skates. Can and I, I move it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good enough. Yeah. So he gets banged up. Kale McCarr looked like he got banged up uh, at the end of that game. He he didn't play a shift, I think, the last like eight minutes of the game, which like like the last half of the third period he didn't play. And the only thing I could see was there was a, a shift late in the third or earlier in the third period where he just like made like a weird turn and just kind of grimaced on his knee, goes back to the bench and is kind of wincing. But he goes on the ice and he celebrates after the game. He's in the locker room and from all indications, it doesn't seem like anything. It might yeah, Bednar said he was fine. Yeah, it might just be a thing where it was just like, ow, I don't know, I turned weird or something, yeah. you know, which happens from time to time. And when you're up five to one, there's really no point in messing with that. And today, as we're recording, this is an off day for the Avs, so we don't have any answers on Cogliano or Makar, and we'll probably get those tomorrow. I imagine they're fine. I don't think there's yeah. anything to really make a big deal out of any of these, like, again, if Makar wasn't fine, I don't think they would have had made everything seem perfectly fine after the game. Yeah, because Bednar's been pretty like honest. He's like he doesn't give timetables, but he just says they're going to miss some time. Yeah, and he said after that he expects them both to be fine. So I'm sure we'll see that morning skate tomorrow. Would it, you be shocked in the least if like Makar takes a maintenance day and everyone's going to freak out at like 9 a.m. tomorrow? Yeah, that and that's probably going to happen as well. Yeah. 
I think we're just like really traumatized from this season where <laughs> we, are. we see anything happen. We're like, fuck, he's going to miss the rest of the season. Yeah. We're we've very seen, traumatized. We, it's not even just the abs. We've seen a lot of guys go down recently. Yeah. I mean, after what happened with Andrei Svechnikov, I don't, I don't think anyone's feeling too good. No, no one's feeling good. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, but hopefully everything's going to be okay. We get, you look at this road trip as a whole, you go four for four, get all eight points. Like we talked about at the regular, at the regular season, at the start of this episode, all of a sudden you're three points back of Dallas with two games in hand. You have a very cush schedule coming up. The abs have a chance to catch this and get the number one seed in the central division. Yeah. Um, it starts on Monday though, against Chicago, a team who we've, somewhat struggled against like we're one and one against them right have we played them more than once i don't we played them more than twice yeah we played them season opener banner raising night and i think we all remember the last time we played them i don't think play them more than three times i don't think so either so we don't yeah this is going to be an interesting game chicago has they beat the bruins which is hilarious um and now the abs get a chance of them at home you, based on how this team's playing, I, I think the abs win big, but I don't know. Chicago's been frisky lately. I mean, sometimes in a game like Boston, it's almost guaranteed you have one of those a season. Right. Where like one of the worst teams takes out the team at the top. We saw with the Coyotes last year with us randomly throughout the season. They beat Nashville as well, 2-1 to one on the road, and then they lose to Arizona on Saturday, 4-2. to two. I think the abs are going to take care of business in this game just fine. I, I'd say, I mean, especially based on the last couple of games they've had against teams that are not great, they're probably going to go up early, and I think they're going to probably take this one 6-2. to two. Yeah, I'll go 5-2 just to be different, but I would not be shocked in the least if Mrazek or whoever the goalie is allows 6 in this game. Yeah, I mean, the abs have done a really good job at lighting up goalies recently, and I think they're just going to do the same again. I mean, it's not; it's definitely not the same situation against Chicago like it was last time. It's like, you need this to snap a horrific losing streak. Now you're on a winning streak. Is it a trap game? I mean, maybe. But we've played a lot of bad teams lately. And having Pittsburgh the game after this, I don't know if like that's big enough of a game that you're you're looking past this one already. You know, and it's gonna be in Colorado. I think I think they're just gonna be fine in this game. I agree. I I think they win this game big. Um, I think McKinnon gets goal. I think Miko may get two. Uh, and the abs is just going to continue all systems rolling, bump it up to five game win streak, six game win streak. Uh, I should know this off the top of my head, but I don't. I, I don't either. I feel a bad. Six, a six game winning streak. Six game win streak. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they do. I, I agree with you. Holy cow. Winnipeg's losing to St. Louis two nothing now. Yeah, I saw that a bit earlier. The Jets just cannot win a hockey game right now. Before we get too off track, we talked about Miko Rantanen hitting 50 goals. But right now, Nathan McKinnon is sitting at 88 points. Yep. And with how many games left in the season at this point for the Avs? 14. 14 games left in the season. He only needs 12 points in those games to hit 100 points in a season where he has missed time. Yeah. Do we think he can do that? Um. Yes, but also what you said before we start recording, like the McKinnon special is 99. Like it would not shock me in the least if he finishes at 99. And then he's pissed off 
and <laughs> goes and puts 30 in the playoffs. You like, know what? You, know what's you really said that off air, and I was like, that just makes too much sense. Yeah. You know, it's really funny. I'm just realizing this now is like McKinnon had this incredible season last year where he missed a little bit of time. He was in and out of the lineup all season, finished with 88 points. Right now, in eight less games, he's matched his point total from last year. And yeah, he has he's been assists. really good this year. Yeah, he's been ridiculous. What 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 pace would he be on? Like 125 points. I think that's what he'd be at right now. Yep. Honestly, I think he does it. I think he's going to hit 100 points, especially with the way he's been playing lately. He's he's always been a late season performer. He's never bad in the beginning of the season, but this late stretch is always his bread and butter. And you again, like we talked about with Ranson, you look at the competition that this team's going to play over the next little bit. And competition that he has feasted on in the last several games. You still have the Sharks twice. You still have the Blackhawks tomorrow or tonight by the time you're listening to this. You still have the Ducks twice, Coyotes twice. The Penguins are listed as one of our easiest games of the season, which I think is very funny. But he definitely he always gets up for those games against the Penguins and going up against Crosby. He doesn't like Nashville, who we still have to play. And L.A., Dallas, Minnesota, Edmonton, Winnipeg. Those are teams he likes to play against as well. We're talking about less than a point a game. If he has three points in one of those games, that gets a lot easier. Yeah, it gets a lot easier. And I think like the 100 points is cool, but the fact he got to 30 goals with 14 games remaining where I thought it was going to be tight for him to get to that is awesome. Like it's hilarious. Like we, it, it's like a repeat of last season where it was like, oh, he only has five goals. And then all of a sudden he ended the year with 35 goals. Like He, he just goes on these tears. Um, and to get to 30 goals again is crazy i think he that's his third or fourth straight 30 goal season um if you so, don't count, if you don't count the shortened season yes the last time he didn't hit 30 goals in any sort of a non-significantly shortened season which was the 48 games he played in the covid shortened year was uh 2016-17 did, did anything else happen that year i'm trying to remember because you know i don't think anything might happened be, that year i might be you know, blocking something out from my mind. <laughs> were the Avs not that good that year? I don't think so. I yeah, don't think we were. A year where he had 16 goals and 37 points. Maybe they weren't. But after that, he's hit 30 goals in every season. And even in the season where he played 48 in the COVID-shortened season, still had 20 goals. Like, he was yeah. very easily going to get over 30 and probably going to hit 50. Yeah. So it, it's impressive. I hope he gets to 100 because that would be the first time in his career which is kind of funny if you think about it because he's been so good for a five-year stretch and to never get like to 100 is. 97, 99, 93, and 69 games when the season was shut down in January. Yeah. It was No, March, right? March, yes, March. Yeah, March, yeah. Well, January, Jesus. Imagine that. Yeah, <laughs> he was seven points away from 100 points in March that year. Had 65 in the COVID-shortened season. And last year in 65 games, he had 88 points. Again, would have hit 100. It's so unfair. Like 82 games, 99 points in the year he was. The two straight years that he was robbed of the heart, both of those years. And I really hope he gets it this time. Is If he's fully healthy next season, 125 is on the table. Very Actually. much so. But also, I think we just need to expect him to have like a like 10-game absence just because... Um, the way his I, play style is, like yeah. he's going to take something. Yeah, that's what I mean. Perfectly healthy, 82 games, 125, 130 points even is on. The, he's going to do that once. There's going to be a time where maybe he hits 100 this year, 
there's going to be one season where Nathan McKinnon has 130 points and 50 goals. And I think that was my prediction coming into this season if he was fully healthy. And based on the point pace that he would have been on, I would have been close. Would have been close. Would have been. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. But uh, hopefully Connor McDavid, like people just get tired of voting for him. So maybe that year that McKinnon does that, he gets the, uh, he gets I the just, heart. I've said this to you. I don't think any current AV is going to win the heart just because yeah. there's so many current great AVs. McCarr and McKinnon, for some reason it doesn't happen with McDavid and Dreisaitl, but McCarr and McKinnon are always going to take votes away from each other. And Mikko Rantanen certainly doesn't help matters either, which is which is annoying. But you know what? I'll take the cups any day. It's I, it's a stigma that I think we won't be able to escape. I, I think McCarr may be the only one just because defenseman's yeah. a little bit different, but it's 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 dumb. Like that by this logic should the Oilers should fucking should fucking McDavid get it every year just because he puts up 150 yeah he should because he is the best player in the world but like eventually they're gonna get voter fatigue yeah I mean you definitely can make the argument that without McDavid the Oilers are trash and probably a lottery team maybe even with Dreisaitl and with the Avs you take McKinnon off are they as good as they are no are they still a playoff team though with I'd McCarr, say so. With Makar and Rantanen and Landeskog and the plethora of talent that they have, probably, probably not cup favorites, but I think that's the the main difference in the conversation right. is that the Oilers would be straight up garbage without this yeah. guy. Agreed. Agreed. But hopefully McKinnon gets it. Um, I think he'll get to 100. I, I think he's going to pop off in one of those games against like Chicago and San Jose where he'll get like eight points in like a three game span and we'll be like, okay, we're I'm going to say he gets 105. I think he's going to pass it. I like it. It's a good call. How, what's Miko at? How many points is Miko at? Oh, man. I just took my hands off my keyboard. I'm sorry. I can very quickly, I should just be able to know this off the top of my head, but he's currently at 83 in 68 games. But I've, at this point, 50 goals is really the only moniker that matters. Yeah. Still a point per game player. Um, and and he, can, he can still get there. It's not as easy as McKinnon, but 17 points in 14 games. If he gets a three point night, which he has done pretty recently yeah. and has done quite a lot, he can definitely get there too. It's going to be a little harder, but he can do it too. I agree. Um, that'd be cool if we had 200 point players. Um, but yeah, like you said, Miko, just get to 50. Get that milestone. He'd be the third app to ever do it. Sakic, Hayduke, and then Miko, which is a pretty good list to be a part yeah, of. Uh, pretty good list. Two of those guys' numbers are up in the rafters. So um, pretty solid list. So, yeah. Um, let's talk quickly about the game on Wednesday against the Penguins because we'll be uh, recording after that one. The Penguins are legitimately – in danger of missing the playoffs because Tristan Jari refuses to save a puck. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think the abs are going to take advantage of that. I think this game's going to be like five, one abs. Honestly, I like that. I mean, the first game against the penguins, we all remember they had the one, nothing lead on the McKinnon goal. And then the late goal ties it up and the, and the penguins win it in overtime, which was a frustrating game for sure. But the penguins, they're just, they're such a hit or miss team at times. There's some games where it all just clicks together and they have a really solid game. But a lot more recently, their games have been disasters, especially you look at their game against the Rangers recently. They lose that game six to nothing. 
or Montreal. I can't believe we haven't talked about this. The day after we played the Habs, yeah. the Habs were in Pittsburgh and were down two to nothing early and were winning four to two before the end of the first period and ended up winning that game on the second half of a back to back on the road, six to four, because the Penguins could not get a stop. And then they go to New York for two straight games and lose those games combined 10 to two. This team's not a playoff threat. They'll they'll probably make the playoffs, but even then they're only one point ahead of the Panthers. The main thing going for Pittsburgh in this game is desperation. They need points and they're going to play Ottawa on Monday. And then they're going to travel to Colorado on the first half of a back-to-back to play the Avs before they travel to Dallas on Thursday to play the stars I don't know. Maybe you don't want to take too much out of them. You know, maybe you want to, yeah. so maybe you want to win the game, but you want to make sure that they're not too tired. for the Well, that's what I'm saying. If you beat them five, one, they'll be more energized for that, for yeah. that Dallas game. So maybe that's, you want to beat them as bad as you can and really fire them up for that. Game right. Against Dallas really set Dallas up for a fall. I like that call. I, I like that strategy. That's playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. Yeah. But yeah, so. I, I think the, uh, I think they're going to win this game. I don't know about what'd you say five one. I said five one. Honestly, honestly, I don't hate that. I think the I it maybe it's just my traumatized brain with the Penguins that I always have to say every game against them is going to be closer than maybe it will be. I think it's going to be four to two. I think these teams just do match up well. It's going to be a national TV game. Four two, the Abs are going to win it and get two points. I just don't see the Penguins goaltending holding up against how hot the Abs shooters are right now. Yeah. That's what scares me is is legitimately Tristan Jari looks like one of the worst goalies in the league. Or is it going to be this is the night where the Penguins goaltending figures it out because the Avs have been that team in the past for several for several goalies that are just having an awful stretch. Yeah, I mean, even if that's the case, I still think the Avs win this game. Yeah, I think I think Jari's going to have a decent enough game to hold the Penguins in it. But even when you take goaltending out of the equation, the Penguins they have not done a good job at building this current iteration of the team where your third lines, Drew O'Connor, Mikel Gronlund, Alex Nylander, Paling, Carter, Archibald. I know they're missing guys like Benino, but that's not enough where their bottom six should be this ineffective. Like the most effective thing Jeff Carter's done this season is headshot Kale McCarr. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be surprised in the offseason if Phil Kessel ends up back on the Penguins just because they're just going to reunite everyone. (laughs) They'll just they'll bring back everyone for one last cup run. Uh, But I I agree. I I don't think this team's much of a threat. I think the Avs avenge their loss because in the game, like Casey Smith had his best game of the year. Yeah, which is which is kind of what I'm afraid of in this game is that the Penguins goaltenders just figure it out suddenly. I think the Penguins, I think they're going to lose this game against the Avs. I think they're probably going to make the playoffs maybe it depends the panthers have been hot lately but they're going to get smoked in round one whether that be by the hurricanes or the bruins and i think there's some changes that need to get made in pittsburgh i don't i don't know how they bring back ron hextall as the gm again and wouldn't be shocked don't say i agree that this should happen but wouldn't be stunned if sullivan's not back which I don't think they should do, but there's been a lot thrown out there from the Pittsburgh media that maybe, just maybe, the message isn't being received the same way that it used to be. And I'm saying that I, if Hextall stays, I think that might be his bullet where he fires Sullivan and brings in his own guy, and that's even more of a disaster. 
Yeah, it's just one of those things where eventually coaches have a shelf life. Uh, Sullivan's been there, what, 12 years now? Uh, They won the cup in 16, and that was his first year. No, so he's only been there seven or eight. Yeah, which is still like third or fourth. Yeah, that's an eternity for an HL coaches. It's Cooper, Sullivan, Bednar. Yep. Like, that's an eternity for coaches to be there. Um, He's still one of the best coaches in the world. I any he, he would not have a job for less than twenty four hours. Oh, if he, he would he would be hired the same day. Yeah, by any it'd team. be just I, like Bruce Casty. I thoroughly believe that Mike Sullivan is one of the best coaches in the NHL, and I'm not saying he should be fired because I wholeheartedly disagree that the Penguins should do that. That is, I think that'd be a terrible move. Right. I'm just saying that the vibe I'm getting out of Pittsburgh maybe suggests that Hextall in a panic might be like, this isn't my fault. It's his fault. Fires him and like brings in Babcock or something. That'd be funny. I, I would, I need, I would find Babcock. that very funny. Yeah. And if Sullivan gets fired from Pittsburgh and Oh no, ends up in Washington. What a nightmare, right? I'm totally not fantasizing at all. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but if they hired Babcock, that just start the timer until Sidney Crosby's a player for the Avs. <laughs> start the timer because th- th- that's if what Sidney Crosby's ever not on the Penguins. He's got to be an Av, right? That's the only team I could see him going to. Yeah, it's McKinnon. That's his buddy. It'd be it's funny if he went to protege. Washington and played with Ovechkin for the last couple of years, but that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but also would be very funny. Yes. But yeah, if he leaves, he's going to he's going to the Avs. So yeah. um, on the point zero 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 one percent chance that Crosby is ever yeah. not a Pittsburgh Penguin, then he'd yeah. be alive. He'd be alive. But overall, we both think the Avs are going to extend their win streak. They could be by the time we're recording on Wednesday night in first place in the Central. Um, just a very impressive road trip by the Avs. I don't think I have anything else for this episode. Did you have anything else? Not particularly. I mean, just looking at what Minnesota and Dallas have ahead before Wednesday, Dallas plays Seattle on Tuesday, and they snuck out a win against Calgary 6-5 to in overtime. Flames are useless. And Minnesota, they had their point streak snapped against Boston, and the Capitals could not take advantage against them again. On the next night, Cavs played horrible in that game and lost 5-3 to to Minnesota. And they play New Jersey on Tuesday. So we would need both of Minnesota and Dallas to lose and the Avs to win both of those games. And then they could be first. But it's a lot more of a possibility than it has been almost all season where we've been playing catch up the whole time. And if things keep rolling like this, the Avs, they very well could do this and end up with the top seed in the Central. I agree. It, it it seems almost inevitable at this point that they're going to catch them, but there's still hockey to be played. I'm not going to get my hopes up super high yet. It seems I'm still banking on the fact it's going to be abs wild. It's just, do we get home ice in the first round? Honestly, like I don't want to say I'm not getting my hopes up. I also don't think it matters that much. Like I think it matters as like a race to keep you into the regular season and make sure you're fine tuning your game. But if you if you get home ice against the Wild in round one, beat them, and you start on the road against Dallas in round two, assuming they beat the Wild Card team, I don't think that's that big a deal, honestly. I think the Avs have responded just fine to being on the road. I think I talked about this last episode as well. They've been better on the road than they've been yeah. at home. So yeah, I mean, I just it matters, but it's not like the end of the world, right. really. 
And I think Minnesota is a tough matchup that you you want as much of an advantage as you're going to get. But after that, I don't know. I mean, they can definitely do it. And I'd probably end up playing Winnipeg, I imagine, in the first round. It, it either be them or Seattle. I think those are going to be the wild card teams at this point. I don't really know if I'd want to play Seattle. Not that I don't think we could beat them, but it's also that does not work out for you in a way that you have nothing to gain out of that series. Where if you beat Seattle, if it's even close, that kills a lot of momentum because that is the second year expansion team going up against the defending champs. You think they have anything to lose in that series? That just screams a six game series. Yeah. I mean, I've seen this happen plenty of times where I go back to 2017 where the Caps played the Maple Leafs in the first round. Maple Leafs weren't supposed to make the playoffs that year, had the first overall pick and got Matthews a year before playing the President's Trophy winners in the first round. Those are dangerous series. They are. You need to be on your toes. And Seattle, they're a deep team. I don't think I don't think they could beat the Avs in a 7-game series, but that could get dragged to 6 or 7. And if they play Vegas in the first round, I think that's the same story too. Seattle's not going to win because their goaltending is not going to hold up in a playoff series. And even if they go on a run, it's not going to carry them to the Stanley Cup final. But I would be very wary of that series. Not that I don't think the Avs could win that series, but I think that's the kind of series that you survive in six, God forbid, seven games and you're struggling to get your confidence back in the next round, where yeah. as opposed to you take out Minnesota in round one in six games, you're feeling awesome. You're feeling, you're feeling so great. good. Well, and Seattle just plays that game where it's just like they're just hard to play against. Like they just grind you. Um, so that'd be a tough series. Like I said, I really Seattle's the only team I wouldn't want to see in the first round just because of the fact they're – they're just tough to play against. Yeah. Um, every other team I'm fine playing in the first round. I mean, Minnesota and Dallas are harder matchups on paper at the very least. But I'm saying that the difference between going to six against Minnesota and the difference between going to six against Seattle is very different. Minnesota is a very good team that I think will give the Avs a lot of issues, especially if they play in the first round especially with how the Wild have played over the last little while. That's a tough series that you're really going to have to grind out. Same thing with Dallas. Seattle might be an easier matchup, but you have to stomp them. Like You have to defend your home ice. You've got to go into what's going to be a tough Seattle building to play in, and you've got to leave no hope. Because even if they're down 3-1, to one, I mean, we, we saw it when we played Nashville back in 2018. Like You've yeah. got to stomp these teams. The teams that have nothing to lose are really dangerous and they take a lot out of you. Yeah. Agreed. So we got about a month till then, but less than, that. Less than a month, it's going to be a blast. Abs are going to hopefully win the central division and we'll be feeling good. Yeah. So I think we're going to wrap this one up here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another episode. As always, we always appreciate it. Do we want to give a little update on how our bracket challenge is going so far? I'm I'm fine if you don't want to talk about it. I don't think I need to talk too much about how my bracket's looking. Yeah, no, I mean, I uh I'm hanging in there. I'm in sixth place right now. Uh lucky you. The, we ran into a slight problem where we're super happy 50 people entered, but there's only like one or two who we know who they are. But if you win, if you're the guy or girl in first place and your username is UB6LB9, uh <laughs> that's a good name. That's a good name. 
You get that? Yeah, I got, I got that. Okay, good. That's good. I just <laughs> click for me. Um, if you're that guy or girl, uh, you need to send us a DM when you win because I have no idea who this is. Yeah. So, I mean, please, if you do win, uh, we're going to reach out to you, especially if your name is in your bracket, which is very helpful right. to us. But yeah, right now, uh, the name Christian just mentioned, which I don't think needs a second repeat, is currently tied for first, or no, is winning. No, they're in first. Christian is tied for sixth, and I, smart basketball man that I am, am tied for 36th. You're killing but it, man. My only hope right now is, well, actually, I had Marquette just lost, so I lost my I lost my first Final Four team on day four four which is much better than i've done in the past i've only lost two elite eight teams i've only lost one final four team i still have alabama i still have houston and i still have gonzaga i still have yukon i've missed on duke so the entire bottom left side of my bracket is cooked it's done it's over i don't need to look at it anymore everything else i'm still alive on i got alabama i got creighton houston texas i I can make a comeback here I think I'm not out yet. I'm not going to win the damn thing, but I always make a comeback later in the bracket because I I, I usually get at least one team in the championship. All right. We'll see. I'm still alive. Uh, Baylor losing, gonna, you are going to beat me. I am not. I've given up on that. I've beaten uh, Baylor losing is going to be big for me. Uh, yeah. uh, Indiana's down by 10, so that's not good either. Um, see, but, Creighton. Creighton. Yeah. Creighton. Smart one. We'll, I got we'll one. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, if you are the winner, that's the only problem we're running into. I have no idea who that is. Yeah, um, we'll 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 fix it. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure but, it all out. We promised a jersey, and God damn it, we're gonna give one. Yep. So that's our little update on our bracket challenge because I feel like we kind of have to to give one. When we have fifty plus people. Yeah. Compared to to what like ten last year, if that even. I feel bad for the ten who entered last year and didn't get jack shit. Yeah. Well. Now we wow we make hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. from this show. True. So we just have all True. the money in the world to burn on jerseys. I feel like I have to definitely put the sarcastic draw on there because yeah. I feel like someone would believe us that we actually make oh, 100%. money from this. But yeah, that's our little bracket challenge. I don't need to talk about that anymore because I'm getting smoked. So anyway, thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Teledabs podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Use promo code TELDABS it is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at TELLITABSITIS. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time after the Penguins game. But until then, let's go abs.